All right, welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Organic Gardener. Miles Stevens, Davey Tree, Talking Trees, Curb Appeal, Topic of Conversation, as we roll on in the spring of 2022, about 30 minutes away. But we start off today, as we always do, with that opportunity to win a $25 gift certificate from the good folks, Randy and company, at Sorgles in Wexford, 412-922-1020. But Doug wants to talk to you. So if you have a question for Doug, you want to talk a little gardening on this April Sunday morning, Rather appropriate and timely, too. 412, of course, uh, 922-1020 to win that gift certificate. But our call-in number is 866-391-1020. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Rob. Yeah, hey, give us a call. I'd love to talk to you first segment here. Uh, you know, sort of i got plenty of stuff to prattle on about. But if you've got a garden question, give us a call, 866-391-1020. And, Rob, if you get a call or let me know. Yes, Talking Trees today. Our friend Miles Stevens is back from the Davy Tree Expert Company after the 730 news break, talking all about curb appeal and uh, something else uh, <laughs> Miles and I are obsessed with, our pawpaws. And so uh, we've been talking about that uh, all winter long. So uh, I've got some trees for them, and we're just going to talk a little bit about that. But as we're waking up this morning, I can hear the birds waking up. Uh, they are just, uh, it, it's spring. There's no doubt about it. When I uh, heard that weather forecast, this is the perfect time for planting all the cool weather crops, your lettuce and arugula and Swiss chard, beets, carrots, radishes, other greens, all sorts of stuff. Uh, it's exciting. I know I'm going to be doing that today. And I want to tell you about one of my favorite places, uh, which uh, has got its blooms going pretty good right now, and it's going to continue all through April into May, called Joe Ham's Daffodil Gardens down in Washington, PA. It is free and open to the public, and it is the greatest collection of blooming daffodils I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it is a cool place. There, You know, you can't go down there at 7 in the morning or, you know, 8 at night. It's going to be dark or too early for them. But all the hours, how to get down there, uh, their phone number to, to call to see, you know, what's blooming, what isn't, uh, it's all at DougOster.com. And it's just, it is a magical place. Uh, it is just you know, I talk about it a lot. I talk about it everywhere I can, especially this time of the year, uh, because Joe started this with just daffodils from 1937, the year that he was born. And, I, I you know, I love people with garden obsessions because I've got plenty plenty of garden obsessions. You know that. But then expanded the, the uh, daffodils to all sorts of, of cool things. And I often tell the story of uh, a name variety called Spencer Tracy, which was uh, released in the 1940s. And uh, Joe's sister, who works there, and, and uh, neighbor also works there, they they call themselves the Field Sisters. And they were like, you know, Joe, there's no Catherine Hepburn. And so when one daffodil came up that we call as a sport, it's something unique, he named that one Catherine Hepburn, put it a couple beds over from Spencer Tracy. So they are together forever uh go down and see those daffodil gardens it's amazing now i still have a bunch of weird tomato seeds for free in doug's free seed check at han nursery and ross all this is is an old newspaper box the kind you'd throw a quarter in and and open up but to find the tomato seeds you'll have to search for the so-called secret compartment it's labeled secret compartment it's, it's where the coin box is I've got chocolate cherry tomato in there, yellow grape tiger stripe tomato seeds, Clint Eastwood rowdy red tomato seeds. 
Uh, you can also leave some seeds there if you'd like. This is just for fun. And when you do go to Han to pick up your free seeds, don't be a cheapskate. Buy some seeds or some pansies or something. They're, they're doing me a favor by letting me put that seed shack there. Uh, my free virtual classes continue. Uh, I would love for you to, to take the classes. We're having so much fun. I mean, people are signing up from all over the country. Uh, free, on your computer, uh, every Thursday at 5 p.m., courtesy of Farm to Table of Western Pennsylvania. I've been doing a lot of work for them. They're doing great work in our area, making sure people are getting uh, fresh produce. As I said, you can access the classes live every Thursday at 5 and do them with me, or you can watch them later. Uh, I like it when you do it with me because we'll, we'll talk back and forth. This week it's all about uh, growing perennial vegetables, asparagus, rhubarb, rhubarb, shallots, all sorts of stuff. Again, all the information is at DougOster.com. Next weekend is going to be busy, but I would love to see you. We are back to seeing each other in person, and that is a wonderful feeling. Uh, on Saturday at 11 a.m., I'll be at Bedner's Farm and Greenhouse in Cecil talking all about container gardening, how to build your containers, what to use in there, how big of a container, how to grow everything from tomatoes to flowers in containers. It's absolutely free, but you need to register because there's only so many seats. And, again, just go to DougOster.com. And then next Sunday, a week from today, I will be at the Butler County Home Show. I'm so excited to be back there because it's been a couple years. 2 p.m. next Sunday at the Family Sports Center on Route 68. I'm talking gardening, and I'll have a special surprise for you. I'm not telling you what it is, but it will be a seed that you can grow this time of the year. Uh, it's going to be fun. That's uh, actually one of the biggest shows that, that, that I go to. Um, lots of friends and fans up in Butler. And this is the absolutely last chance. I'm, I'm running out of time uh, to join me for my trip to London, England to see the Chelsea Flower Show. Probably have two, three, four seats left. Um, going in May, we're going to see Chelsea Flower Show, Kew Gardens, Sissonhurst Castle with their famous uh, white garden. And then, in the same trip, we're headed to Amsterdam, which is one of the coolest cities, to see something called Floriad. It's a garden celebration only held every 10 years in Holland and once a decade. 143 acres is converted into the coolest <laughs> garden thing you've ever seen. Uh, I would love for you to come along with me. As I said, there's probably maybe four seats left. I've got lots of people going, and uh, this is my, I think, third trip to London. Yeah, and uh, there's lots of things we can see in London because uh, everybody, everybody gardens in London. And you'll be just walk down the street, and every house has something different to see that you haven't seen before. Even at the at the local museums, it's, it's so cool because you'll just say, you'll ask somebody, oh, do you know what that plant is? And oh, let me get somebody from the back, and they'll come out and say, oh, this is this. And uh, it's just everyone gardens. They just they take gardens really seriously. There was a uh, last time I was there, like a hundred year old wisteria was climbing up the 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 side of a wall, and they were whitewashing the wall, and just painstakingly painting around that wisteria, that, that big wisteria vine, and, and just not to harm it. And so they, they take their gardening seriously. Uh, all the information, everything I've been talking about is at DougOster.com. And I have a special guest after the break. We're talking to Dean DeVore from AccuWeather. 
about his garden and the change in the weather patterns that we've seen over the years. Uh, Dean has had me on his uh, Everything Under the Sun podcast, and we've had a lot of fun talking gardening, so I wanted to have him on the air. Usually I have to tell people, oh, thank you for getting up so early, but I think Dean gets up every day at like 3 in the morning to do his <laughs> morning weather forecast. So when we get back from our first break, Rob, we'll talk to Dean. All right, we'll do that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Organic Gardener on KDKA. Good morning. All right, Rob Pratt Sunday continues with more of the Doug and Dean show. Doug. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad to uh, introduce you to Dean DeVore from AccuWeather. We have been talking on his podcast, Everything Under the Sun, and having a lot of fun talking gardening. Dean, usually I say, oh, thanks for getting up so early, but this yeah. isn't early for you at all, is it? No, I slept in to you know, be on this fine radio program. Good to talk to Mr. Pratt as well. We go way back. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Doug, you, you, this wasn't getting up early for me, that's for sure, my friend. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you got into weather as your thing. Uh, standing on the front porch in the uh, thunderstorms, having my mom and dad yell at me to come back in, and uh, being fascinated by watching thunderstorms roll in from the west, always being kind of curious about how the snow forecast was uh, going to be right or wrong, whether you're not going to have snow, uh, school in the next morning. Um, just kind of the same reason I also am – um, sports oriented. Um, I think that that kind of being involved in something you don't necessarily know the answer to in the end. You kind of have some idea how it might go. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, as the jokes uh, can come, you know, you meteorologist fifty percent right and still keep their job kind of thing. I think we're a little bit better than that, Doug. I think in the short term we're we've gotten pretty decent and pretty good, um, but. Uh, some of the long-range forecasting, I think, has really gotten good so that we can see things into the future. And that's kind of something that you and I have been talking about on the podcast a bit, is trying to help folks out, too, especially in these uh, zones that we're in up here in Zone 6 in Pennsylvania. And as a pretty avid gardener, as you found out, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm certainly uh, at the whim of the weather, and, and the weather's been a little yucky and probably words we can't say on the radio right now but here at the beginning of april we turn the we turn the corner to april and we want we want sunshine in 70 but uh, that's not going to be the case we've got you know just like last week that cold snap which produced the coldest high temperature uh on last monday for that date that was the coldest high temperature we've ever had this cold snap uh, this week, uh, starting out this week, isn't as 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 bad. But there's a couple of nights here where we're going to be flirting or just below freezing. We're going to get a nice little warm up middle of the week, Doug, and then another one of these cold shots slam back in. It looks like for next uh, this upcoming weekend, and so it looks like another uh, well, there's words I can't use, but showery and and cruddy weekend kind of with some rain, snow, shower kind of situations and temperatures down near freezing but then my friend here's the hope it looks like once we get out of that mid-april kind of mores there with some you know another chilly shot it does look like things start to steady out towards the end of april and into may which would be nice which would mean our kind of uh, violent flips of to some colder weather would be done and that's something you and i talked about we're seeing more and more of where it just kind of flips back and forth in the spring rather than ease in, ease out like we used to have when we were kids, right? 
Yeah, and, and Dean, it's so funny because when you're forecasting for normal people, mm. they that, mm. that's exactly what they want is they want, oh, sunshine and blue skies. <laughs> right. But right. For gardeners, we're looking at this like, okay, well, I can get some stuff planted. I'm getting a couple of days of rain, which will make it a lot easier for me. I won't have to water. Right. Uh, talk a little bit about it's not fair that, that you get blamed for the weather. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, and, I mean, I'm I sure think part of yeah, go ahead. I'm sure you get that a lot where, like, people say, like, oh, well, thanks a lot, you know, two days of rain or whatever it might be, but hey, you're just reporting the weather. I think I think part of that is because of the subjectivity of weather individually, and we talk about this a lot. Um, my hot is somebody else's cold. You know, I can be um, <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, my partner's from Puerto Rico, and I go down there, and it's 85 over 72 dew point. You know, it's really, really warm and humid, and they're in jeans and long sleeve shirts because that's to them actually on the cool side so i think everybody you know um wh where you're from how you know how you're climatized how you're kind of used to it i think everybody has their own normal and then even within you know regions different people have different sensibilities so because of that you know, like you said, um, a gardener's nice day might be a, a, a an all-day soaking rain because it hasn't rained for a week. Um, the average person's nice day is probably not that, right? They want sunshine and beautiful and be able to do this and that and, 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 and have it look perfect. But, um, yeah, that, that kind of um, subjectivity in terms of the way people sense the weather for what they need for their lives on that particular day, they don't need a – a sloppy, wet, messy commute. They need a nice, sunny, easy drive in, or, you know, maybe they need <laughs> for a kid, right? Maybe they need that snowstorm. So their, their assignment gets pushed <laughs> back another day. I mean, uh, it's all personal. And that's why I think the weather is such a, is such a cool thing, especially for us gardeners, because we're really tied into some of this stuff in terms of the swings and the soil moisture and the temperatures and all that kind of stuff. Oh, no doubt. We're always worried about it. We're always worried about, especially early in the spring, will the magnolia get hit? Will that get hit? Mm. I wanted to talk right. to you uh, about some science with whether, as you have watched the weather over the decades, what have you seen as far as a, a change in, in, in climate, or have you? I have. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it here in central Pennsylvania. So I came to Penn State in 1984, and I got stuck and never left. So I have 40 years of, uh, you know, pretty uh, intense watching the weather in one place. And I can tell you we're getting, and I would think you would even agree with this in Pittsburgh, Doug, more what I call convective events. Those are those uh, really kind of heavy downpour showers and thunderstorms, more severe weather in the spring, in the summer, and into the fall. Lots more squalls, uh, squally-type um, snow shower and problems uh, in the winter. Um, so that tells me that the atmosphere is a little different. Uh, warmer air is farther up in the mid-latitudes, that it's mixing more with the cold air. You know, that's why I think the change from the global warming misnomer to the climate change, uh, tech, uh, you know, now, you know, you're, you're going to find people that will certainly have 
strong opinions whether all of that change in the climate is man-made, what percentage of that change is man-made, or what percentage was part of a natural cycle, because we do see those, right? Ice age 10,000 years ago, um, you know, periods over the years where we know. And the other thing sometimes I think we get caught up in is, you know, we're looking at records that are a little finite uh, drop in the bucket or a grain of sand in the in the time situation of the earth. Uh, but I, I think there's definite, like where we are, definite changes in the patterns in the weather over the last uh, couple of decades that, that are certainly uh, undeniable that we're seeing, you know, bouts of warmer temperatures, more violent weather, heavier downpours, flooding problems, more, more kinds of stuff like that. So it's definitely different. Would you agree with that, Doug, from your standpoint, that the uh, last oh, 10 years is, is much different than 10, 20, 30 years ago? Well, definitely from a gardening standpoint. Dean, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, great stuff. And don't forget to listen to the Everything Under the Sun podcast. All right. We'll Yay. come back with much more, ladies and gentlemen. Stay with us. We have got on the other side Curb Appeal topic of conversation. It's Miles Stevens, Davy Trees, Talking Trees, KDKA. We're talking to Miles Stevens today from the Davy Tree Expert Company about Curb Appeal. And Miles, how long we've we been doing this now? It seems we've been working together for a few years. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what year it started. We started doing this. I'm going to say about 2013, 14, something like that. I'm guessing with the talking trees. So, how has the uh, season started for you guys? Is it have you started planting trees yet, or is it too early? We haven't started planting yet. We're on the verge. We're just waiting for uh, some trees to come in from our tree farm in Ohio. Then also we'll get some shipments in from some of our local nurseries, and we'll uh, we'll get started here shortly. Uh, we're sort of all ready to go, just uh, gathering the, all our supplies up, and then we'll we'll get out there and start planting. It, it should be a good season. Has anything changed as far as availability of trees and such? I, I mean, I keep hearing about this at different trade shows that, some things are hard to get, uh, or are you not seeing that? Well, some of your evergreens, especially, I think green giant arborvitae have got so popular the last few years because they're uh, ear resistant that now that's the only arborvitae, <clears throat> excuse me, everybody wants to plant. And so you find those in, in somewhat short supply, maybe a few other shrubs, but for the most part, uh, not real major issues. Uh, forest pansy redbud is another one that's become very popular, maybe a little bit of short supply. But beyond that, everything seems to be available. Hemlocks can be a little tricky sometimes, but otherwise it seems like it's uh, you know fairly normal. <clears throat> so when you're thinking curb appeal, what comes to your mind? What do you think about when I say, hey, I, I'd like a tree with great curb appeal. Of course, we know it has to be right tree, right place, but what comes to mind for you? Well, first of all, you want to look at the landscape and what do they have already. You know, if they just have you know, a lot of larger trees, then certainly I think you're going to look to get some understory plants, maybe some flowering plants, or, or you know, go on, on the uh, line of uh, you have all these trees. Why don't we get something that has a little bit of uh, a fall interest? You know, maybe it doesn't do anything for you in the spring, but, you know, you get it loaded up with all these things sometimes that flower. Then we'll just get some plants and maybe have some really great fall color you know, looking down the road to add some interest, but uh, I think a little bit of diversity in your landscape is nice. Bigger trees, smaller trees, that type of thing, just give that, uh, to me, a little more of a natural look. Yeah, in my case, you know, I'm I'm replacing older 
oak trees as they go, and I do want diversity in there. <clears throat> One of the trees I put in was American hornbeam. Uh, where does that where does that land on your list of of trees? A nice tree, very underutilized. I mean, I occasionally see them, but not all that often. Often, you know, you, you, you know, so that would be a a great tree to put in. They're they're very low maintenance, you know, and that's another thing I didn't touch on there is you know what kind of maintenance do you want to get yourself involved with, and uh, you know, does it require a lot of pruning, a little pruning, you know, uh, does it inherently have uh, insect or de- disease issues which you want to avoid as much as you can? So yeah, hornbeam is pretty uh, American hornbeam is pretty uh, low maintenance plant, so that'd be a, a good selection there, I think. I like low maintenance. That's a that, that's one of the number one things I want in my my forest. Low maintenance. But uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk crab apples. Now I've got an old fashioned crab apple that actually a pine tree came down, smashed it pretty good. But the team from Davy, I asked them, do you think there's any way we can save it? And they pruned it up, and and that was five years ago. It looks pretty darn good. But because it's an older variety. And I, you know, I, I just I love crab apples, but it just drops its leaves, you know, after the spring. Uh, just you know, apple scab. Uh, is there a way around that? Are there newer varieties that that don't aren't affected by that, or or should I just be treating it? There are some newer varieties that uh, that uh, are more resistant to apple scab. I think they all can get it to greater or lesser degrees, and that also depended on too the the weather in the springtime and when we get rain and how long it stays humid and that type of thing. But uh, there are some that are, like I said, a little more resistant. I raindrop crab apple is one that's a little more resistant, and uh, a prairie crab apple is a little more resistant too. But in the end, if conditions are ideal. For disease to do well, I think these will all get a little bit, but not as much as your old, old-fashioned standard crab apple, which you know would be you know, totally leafless by July sometime. As soon as it gets hot out, it just drops like crazy. So you know, otherwise, other than treating with fungicides, it's it's going to be a it's an annual occurrence. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about my team from Davy came over, uh, you know, did the oaks before they leafed out you know we've got to get those oaks trimmed uh, at the right time but i i wanted you to talk a little bit about the importance of having an arborist coming to look at your trees because what they found was this big oak tree right over my garage that does not look good i didn't even know it and i'm supposed to know what i'm doing uh, i don't look up enough i guess smiles and so he said that tree's got to go and i'm just so relieved that he did come and tell me that because I didn't know. Yeah, I think it's important having a certified arborist come out and take a look at things because, you know, you, you look at it to me, to you or whatever looks fine, but, you know, arborists can come out and start evaluating the overall structure of a plant. And there's some things that may, you know, suddenly not be as obvious to you. It may see some fruiting bodies, fungus at the base of the tree, or you start looking at the tree and you start noticing that there's uh, uh, some crotch splits, that type of thing, and, and just sometimes just the nature of the the dead it might be in a tree, and you know every tree is going to have some deadwood. You start looking up in a tree, and you got you know three, four, five inch dead limbs, uh, then you know the trees and, and it could be in some serious trouble. But uh, you know, I think as a certified arborist, you walk out the property. I I always start looking right at the base of the tree, and then my eyes just slowly work my way up the tree, evaluating the overall condition of the tree, and, and you know 
hopefully looking for good structural issues and that type of thing. However, start looking, you start seeing issues and defects in that, then at that point, uh, you have to make some uh, recommendations beyond just some regular maintenance pruning. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes that, that requires removal of the tree, but you start looking at what, you know, you're, one of the things you're evaluating, what the potential targets would be the impact of the tree fails. And at that point, you may have to make some recommendations you don't like to make, but it's a necessity. Well, you know, the, uh, the impact is on my garage. I don't want to come out one morning and see my garage gone. So I was so relieved that uh, he was able to take a look at that. And they'll be coming back here, you know, in the next uh, few weeks to take that oak out of there, and I'll get a little bit of firewood out of the deal. Um, you know, we got about a minute left. Real quickly, just touch on, on one of the trees we've talked about before that, that you love called the sourwood. Oh, yes, great tree, great tree. Uh, that small to medium-sized tree, uh, great flowering, great fall uh, uh, color, uh, great tree for landscape. It's still, unfortunately, one of those trees that's not overly available at nurseries or whatever, but really a great native tree. It's in the, uh, the white pendulous flowers that it gets, the, the, the great scarlet foliar color it gets in the fall. Great tree, great accent trees. Talk, talk about curve appeal. It'd be a great tree to throw in there, if you, especially if you have a lot of larger trees. I mean, I have to have a lot of larger trees, but if you have one of those trees, would be definitely different, different appearance. And it is a low maintenance tree. I mean, I have one also I've ever done with this: prune some branches, prune some dead wood out, and a little bit of elevation so I can get underneath it. But they're a very low maintenance tree. Don't have a lot of native pests or pests at all that bother them. So I think it's, it's a great tree. That that uh, 20 to 40 foot tall tree that uh, would just look great. I think in anybody's landscape. All right, Miles, hang in there. We'll, we'll, after a break, we'll get lots more to talk about, hopefully get some callers with some tree questions. And we will be back with Miles and Doug and more of Davy Tree Talking Tree. And by the way, Doug wants to do that closing, and then we'll take a break. And when we come back on the other side, we'll take some calls about trees. So if you have a tree question, call us, 866-391-1020. Take us to break, Doug. All right. Uh, let's uh, talk trees when we come back. I know there's some tree questions out there, and I would love to, to help you out. Uh, Miles is going to do most of the helping, though. <laughs> Stay with us, folks. All righty. One more segment with Doug this Sunday on Rob Pratt Sunday at KDK, and Miles Stevens hanging around, Davy Tree. And here's Sherry. She's got a question about pine trees. Sherry, you're on KDK. How are you? Good morning. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, I do have this question. I live right next door to a lovely neighbor, uh, many trees on her property. Uh, I'm wondering if a few of them are going to fall on me anytime soon. Uh, there are approximately five pine trees. Two of them are white pine. I would say they're about 100 feet tall. Uh, the, the trunks are probably 40 inches, maybe more. Uh, they're missing a few branches at the moment, and when we get big winds, I'm really scared <clears throat> that they're going to fall on my property. My question is, will they break in half before they reach my garage, or are they going to fall on top of my house? All right, Miles, what are you well, thinking? Well, it's tough to say. Once again, what, what should occur is you need to get a certified arborist out there to evaluate the overall condition of the trees. The fact that they're missing some branches, and I'm guessing maybe some lower branches wouldn't be unusual. For your evergreens, your large trees tend to be have a strong terminal dominance, so lower branches die out. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. What, there aren't you know, any in the low area; they're all up high. Higher up, okay. 
Yeah, then like I said, definitely wanted to have somebody take a look at it. Um, you know, first of all, once again, you know, if there have any changes to the the root zone of the trees, any grading, any of those type of things, any change overall, will would be one key thing to look for. But overall, take a look at the trees. I suspect that there maybe have already been some storm damage to these, but tough to say. You know, which way uh-huh. the prevailing winds are coming from, the overall conditions. Yeah. So you want to get I mean, in that, in that case, really Miles, should, it, should you just have a, a certified arborist come out to look at it? But it's yes, my neighbor's that, trees. I mean, she's not going to do anything. It's me that's in jeopardy. But I know, but at uh, least you would have a say, peace well, of mind. Talk if, to if, say, if, hey, here's if, the deal, and I'm concerned, right. and I'm going to have an arborist take a look if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. No, it shouldn't be an issue with that. I mean, it's. If it can impact your property, then it's worthwhile to have somebody come out and give an expert opinion on what they feel the overall condition of those plants are. And just let me remind people how to reach Davy Tree. Uh, if you want, if you have uh, questions about your trees or if you need a certified arborist, just go to davy.com slash kdka. You can call uh, the experts at uh, Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Any other tree questions, Rob? No, got a couple of minutes left. It's all you and Miles. All right, Miles. I'm starting a new club. It's called the Paw Paw Pals. All right. And and you and I are the only members right now. <laughs> pretty exclusive, pretty exclusive club there, huh? Oh yeah. Uh, so Miles and I have both become uh, obsessed with the Paw Paw tree. It's a native tree. Uh, just t- tell them about the fruit, Miles, because you picked your first fruit last year, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, I originally uh, planted three pawpaws, and one did make one did make it. Had two, and then last year, um, I one pawpaw tree finally produced one fruit. So uh, we uh, gathered the fruit after as soon as it fell, and uh, sliced it up, and uh, shared that one pawpaw with about six people. So I didn't go too far, but uh, it was certainly exciting. Uh, but yes, it's a very interesting plant, native plant, largest fruit in a uh, tree in North America. And uh, so it's pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to check my pawpaw, two pawpaws I have right now, and they're loaded with flower buds. So I'm really excited this year that we, uh, we're going to have a more bountiful harvest. Yeah, I was telling Miles that I, I actually got some to sprout from seed after two years, and I'm going to dig a few for him. They don't like to be dug. They've got this long tap root. But, again, I've talked to a couple experts from Davey and, you know, you get to them early, get them into a pot, we should be able to do this, and you'll have some more genetics that way, Miles. Uh, let me remind people how to get a hold of Davey. Just go to Davey.com slash KDKA. And remember, you can always call those experts from Davey Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Hey, Miles, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again the next time. I've got a, a few things to finish up the show here. Thanks. All right, Doug, take us home. So I'll be answering questions after the show at DougOster.com, like I always do. If you've got anything, a uh, rem- reminder that Saturday at 11 a.m. I'll be at Bedner's Farm and Greenhouse. Sunday, 2 p.m., Butler County Home Show. We're going to have fun there. And information on how to sign up for all my free uh, virtual classes, all at DougOster.com. And remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. <laughs> 